0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America, NA member FDIC. What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Strackbine, joined always by my main man, Steven Thompson, and uh, the favorite guest on the show nick martin pretty much a friday appearance every week at this point the pittsburgh steelers they head into week 15 against the indianapolis colts looking to bounce back from back-to-back losses over the last two weeks to the new england patriots and the arizona cardinals but it's not the game that everybody is talking about this week it is the steelers way the tradition of the pittsburgh steelers and all the issues and who's to blame for the issues and where do they go from here everybody and anybody has an opinion and guess what we'll uh We'll give you ours, plus some key injuries for the Pittsburgh Steelers, possibly some words from a wide receiver that maybe makes some sense, but not everybody wants to agree with me on this one. Our keys to victory for Week 15 against the Colts, and as always, our predictions. It is a beautiful day here in the Berg, even if it's cold for the next six months. Sun's shining, birds are chirping. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they're about to head to Indianapolis and hopefully turn their season back around for like the sixth, seventh time in 2023, Stephen, we'll start with you. How you
1: feel, my friend? I feel good. I feel good. I'm feeling holly and jolly. I've got like 90% of my Christmas shopping done for the year. Nice. So I'm I'm right on the 5-yard line. I'm I'm ready to punch this one in and and bring it home.
0: That's uh that's beautiful. I'm going Christmas shopping tonight. Very scared to go to the mall, but I'll be there fighting
1: in the trenches. And,
0: yeah, it's going to be tough. It's definitely going to be tough, but like you said, we're at 5-yard line. We got to get in there. We only got a week to do so. Nick, down in the good old North Carolina, how you feel, my friend?
2: I'm feeling pretty good. Um overall, you know, it's it's great when uh your season has gone so off the rails that you can start doing mock drafts this early in the season True. and just justify it and you know, I'm more of a college football watcher than like in terms of film analyzer than an NFL guy, but obviously the Steelers are very near and dear to my heart and I got to do whatever I can to make them better, even if I'm not the GM. <laughs> That's
0: true. You, uh, you, you did drop your first mock draft of the year yesterday. You had a quarterback going in the third round, Michael Pratt, out, out of uh, Tulsa. Tell us a little Delane. bit about Delane. that. Tulane, excuse me. Sorry. Where uh, do where you see the Steelers go? Or why do you see the Steelers going that way? What what, what makes Pratt a good uh good spot here in Pittsburgh?
2: So what was interesting about um, Pittsburgh is I don't think you can necessarily justify not taking a quarterback considering how Kenny Pickett has been in a situation where he has just been injured every single year. And these injuries have continued to pile up and it's, it's almost different things every single year. And a lot of it is stemming from him, just not protecting himself and you need that to like. You can't have that from from your potential franchise guy, and we don't really know what else he really is at this point too. So it's like if you don't have a plan B at this point, you're you're, you're shit out of luck. Like I'm sorry, like you you brought that on yourself. And mm-hmm. but in terms of Michael Pratt, he's a guy who has translatable traits. Um, I wouldn't say he necessarily has great spatial awareness in the pocket. He's just one of those guys who stands tough. And I think that's one of the big differences between him and like a Kenny Pickett underrated arm though. I was a little surprised when I watched him like a few times this past week. And I was like, man, this ju- the ball jumps out of his hand a little more than expected. And he has a great feel for manipulating coverage. And I think he anticipates really well. It plays a, like he plays more of a modern, like, you know, NFL type scheme. So yeah. I think there's a lot of translatable throws there, especially in the middle of the field that encouraged me about, like, his potential prospects. Only thing, I don't think he goes third round. I think he, I think, I think he's one of those guys, after the Senior Bowl, you could see him maybe, like, in that early second round type area that you, because I wouldn't be shocked if he ended up passing a guy like Bo Nix, per se, because a lot of people point to Bo Nix's numbers and what he can do, but a lot of the translatability on the film is a little bit murky in that area. There's a lot of, like, Very up and down play there, so I was more looking at a guy like Michael Pratt. I think I, I think I gave him a good start in this mock draft.
0: That's uh over Bo Nix. Bo Nix right now is like considered like possibly a top fifteen pick in the draft. Peter King says he's the move for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the first round. You're saying Pratt goes that high, or you're seeing saying Bo Nix maybe drops that low.
2: I think it's more so Bo Nix probably drops that low, and it's not because like. Bo Nix is like got character issues or anything like that in fact that's like one of the strongest things about Bo Nix is like intangibility wise it's something that makes you want to bet on the guy but yeah. when you come when you go and look at the film you realize the numbers don't quite add up and like you know we looked at Kenny Pickett's like 40 touchdown season with Pitt and it was like impressive that he could lead his team but obviously like you look at the translatable throws the translatable like. Traits within the pocket in some respects, Bo Nix has a little bit of that Kenny Pickett where he rushes his eyes and then he'll like go off platform unnecessarily and he doesn't quite get to his backside progression as much as he should, or he rushes the front side progression and then gets to the backside too soon and then he panics. And like, I don't like seeing that as much in a quarterback, it's a little frustrating. But I will say, great, really good arm strength. Can manipulate his arm angles. He's a tough runner. I like, I I like him, but I don't want to bet on him. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That does make a lot of sense. It's uh, that's you know, you hear those that analysis, you hear that breakdown of Bo Nicks, you will get a little uh, shaky as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan just watching Kenny Pickett over the last year and seeing how that is become an issue i think steven's facial reaction and my facial reaction said it all once he said that is whoa didn't uh didn't expect that one check out the whole mock draft three round mock draft at allsteelers.com still out there still front page make sure that you go uh check that out there's also a a pretty big center that heads to pittsburgh in the first round so you're gonna want to check that thing out let's dive into some pittsburgh steelers news notes from this weekend again everybody's talking about the steelers way that is the biggest topic of conversation surrounding this team right now. Nobody cares about Indianapolis. Everybody's looking at this game and go, it doesn't even matter if you don't fix everything else culturally in this locker room. That's what they're blaming everything on. I think the biggest turn was you lose to the Cardinals and everybody says, this is a game that Mike Tomlin loses, which is an issue, but they kind of accepted it. It's at this point, a little numb in their brain. Okay. This is a game that Mike Tomlin loses. Then you lose to New England back-to-back weeks, and you're starting to think, okay, this is not what Mike Tomlin, this is not what the Pittsburgh Steelers do. Things are sinking fast. This has to be an issue. People are pointing to wide receivers. People are pointing to this and that. Then Minka Fitzpatrick does his his little burst after the Patriots loss, saying that not everybody in that locker room is putting the work in to win. They just expect to win because they're wearing the black and gold. Since then, that has exploded into every – media stream that you could possibly imagine, including a very, very big name, former Pittsburgh Steeler, Ben Roethlisberger, who, I mean, at times was the prime example of the Pittsburgh Steelers tradition, the Pittsburgh Steelers way where it was just do not back down, do not do anything. You continue to fight. I I mean, I remember the last year Ben was here. Every time he'd come out to do an interview, you know, he'd tell us about some crazy bruise or some crazy injury that he was dealing with. And then you'd go and talk to guys in the locker room, like, thinking he was just making it up. And they'd say things like, I, I don't remember who it was, but I remember talking to somebody once. And they, like, laughed because I was asking him about, I was like, oh, did you see the nasty bruise on Ben's hip? And he's like, yeah, I had to tie his shoes yesterday. I couldn't <laughs> tie his shoes. And I was like, wow, that's, uh, that's who Ben Roethlisberger was. That being said, on his podcast, footballing with Ben Roethlisberger, he said, quote, maybe the tradition of the Pittsburgh Steelers is done. Later, he added, who's grabbing somebody, somebody by the face mask, saying that's not what we do. Is that happening? Yes. You have guys on defense doing it, but you need guys on the other side of the ball doing it. You need someone to stand up in that room on offense and be like, hey, this isn't what it means to wear the black and gold. This isn't what has been handed down from those teams of the 70s, the steel curtain, the four Super Bowls, the Knowles, the Bradshaws, the Blunts, all of those people. It's unbelievable. Then he continued, I understand the further you get away from that, the harder it is unless it's being passed down and carried the right way. It just feels like that's something that's been lost on this team. I felt that certain guys on the team aren't in it for the team. They're in it for themselves. Well, now some of those guys on the team are saying the same thing. Asked about it, Najee Harris said, yeah, maybe Ben's right. He didn't really have a response, and I don't want to bash Najee for that one, but said maybe maybe he is right. Maybe we don't have the Steelers tradition and people in this locker room aren't able to carry it that way. Other people in the media took it a totally different direction, blasting Ben Roethlisberger, saying he's part of the problem. Cam Hayward said he does not agree with Ben and that he believes that the tradition is still very much so there. Before we get into what some big-name ESPN people were saying. Let's talk about Ben's words first. Nick, we'll start with you. Or, Stephen, we just talked about the, the thing, so we'll get Stephen a little words in here first. Stephen, is the Pittsburgh Steelers tradition dead? Do you believe what Ben Roethlisberger has to say? Are you worried that the culture in the locker room is as bad as everybody wants to make it?
1: Yeah, I, I think this is just interesting because Ben Roethlisberger referred to a lot of, like, this is not how we do that or th- you can't do this or this is not what you're supposed to do and I'm not really entirely sure what he's talking about like I I don't I think this Steeler way thing is so abstract and so malleable that like anyone who's played for the Steelers or interacted with the Steelers can you know feels entitled to say, well I mean the Steelers way meant this to me and I don't think this team that I'm not around every day that I'm not in the locker room with is not embodying this and I just don't understand where kind of these opinions come from or like what they're based on quite honestly i mean to me i think it's kind of a chicken and egg thing with with winning you know it's like did we win because or did the steelers win because they had tradition or did they have tradition because they won i don't think we're really going to ever be able to kind of like you know piece that together and actually say well yeah it was because we played really hard that's why we won No, i mean like you had really talented players and you had you know good coaching that's like that's part of why you won too i mean I don't think culture is insignificant, but I I think we're maybe underrating the reasons why this team is struggling and why teams in the past have, have succeeded. Like this isn't all about, you know, our attitude or uh, you're, you know, embracing some kind of culture. I think this roster is flawed. The, the coaching staff was flawed. The situation, like the situation was flawed. They've had injuries like, I don't know, no amount of culture is going to kind of compensate for that. And so I just don't, I don't know if I subscribe totally to the idea that like there is some grand tradition that is, that is dying, that is, you know, not there anymore because, and look, we we can all acknowledge that like the vibes have been kind of rotten around this team for, for a while now. Um, You know, really like you can kind of pinpoint it maybe back to the, the start of the season with the 49ers game, but it's ebbed and flowed throughout the year. I mean, like did this team not seem gritty when they, you know, came up with two defensive touchdowns to beat Cleveland in week 2 or when they, you know, rallied in the fourth quarter to to win on the road in LA? Like why do those things not count towards kind of their their contributions or their or evidence that they embrace the Steeler way? But, you know, these past two losses, you know, seem to have just kind of uh accounted for more negativity than maybe other things have accounted for positivity. I so it, I just think like our accounting of, uh, of what matters and, and the, the root causes of all, these, of all these wins and losses has just kind of gotten lost in the week-to-week flow of the season.
0: Nick, you grew up a Steelers fan. You've covered this team and watched them for a long, long time. Do you hear Steven and the nebs and flows and the what is the Steelers tradition? In your eyes, what is the Steelers tradition? Do you think do you agree with Steven or you think it's dead? You think you think that there is a problem?
2: I think the there should be a bigger conversation not about tradition and rather about why why are we not just talking about how the offense has been down every single game they've been in. I'm sorry, but the defense has had to do so much carrying every single time. They have to get like two turnovers or else they, they lose. And like every single time. You see it. It's consistently telling you. Every time you look at the data, it is telling you that Pittsburgh is a flawed, bad football team that is getting lucky. And now that they're losing to two win teams, it's like, oh, the tradition's all wrong. And I'm like, no, no, it's not. (laughs) It's it's the football team being bad schematically and not having a damn quarterback. It's true you you can't win in this league without those things it's an it's become more of an offensive league you now granted this year has been more defensive in a lot of respects and i think that's a lot of why the steelers defense has been able to pull the offense out of huge holes that otherwise they shouldn't have but i mean we saw it like they were down to the patriots they were down that much last week and they just they were they were trying to claw back in the second half, and you think to yourself, "Oh, they're gonna do it because they keep doing it every single week." And then when they don't do it, it's like, "Huh, I guess I I I guess it's the tradition, man. Like, give me a break. I'm sorry, I just I I don't, I don't subscribe to that notion at all. I'm yeah. just fix the scheme, fix the quarterback situation, and I think there's at least plenty of pieces around to work with. I mean, I'm getting tired of just the fact that they might, they're going to waste Cam Hayward's potential Hall of Fame career, and then potentially TJ Watts, and then maybe make Fitzpatrick's after that. Stop wasting these players time, you know, get, get the right players at key positions. Don't focus on tradition. Uh, it, it drives me insane, man.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I kind of, agree with both of you you know like I I think around and and I tried to I had this conversation with a buddy yesterday or two days ago now and we were talking about the Steelers way because he was just saying he was he was straight up he's like I'm done with the Steelers like at this point I I got nothing left to give to them. they're just they're just stressing me out too much you know I think Tomlin's got to go this is wrong this is wrong he's like and then he said it he said he's like the Steelers are just not the Steelers anymore I was like, well, what are the Steelers? What were the Steelers? You know, because the Steelers have been they've been great for my lifetime. I watched nothing but winning Pittsburgh Steelers football. I grew up with two Super Bowls. That's what I that's what I got to witness. But right before I showed up, there was there was a lot of bad. Like a lot of really, really, really bad. And that's just every NFL team's life cycle. It is what it is. And the problem with the Pittsburgh Steelers is that they will never admit that they should have went through a bad cycle, and instead they fight themselves to to remain in the the winning cycle. When you do that, which I think you should do, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers have a formula that other teams don't have, and because of that, that allows them to be winning football teams year in and year out, and that's what you want. Nobody should be sitting around saying, ah, we should just accept that we suck this year, and it is what it is. But in that, you blind yourself from a lot of things, and that's where the Pittsburgh Steelers' tradition or ways kind of get – I mean, tossed around in a, negative, in a negative way, in a negative light, is a lot of people talk about the tradition is dead because the Pittsburgh Steelers themselves do not look at this as, well, no matter how much they want to say it's the Steelers way and we only bring in Steelers type of players and we only look for Steelers this and Steelers that, nobody has any idea what the Steelers are. Nobody has any idea what the Steelers tradition or a Steelers player is. You have no clue. You know what I mean? Everybody talked about, "Oh, George Pickens is a Steelers guy. Kenny Pickett is a Steelers guy." Well, if that's the case, then you guys are you guys are on two totally different ends of a spectrum here when you're trying to decide what a Steelers player is because Kenny Pickett is not a good football player. And, you know, I like Kenny Pickett, but Kenny Pickett is not an elite quarterback in the NFL and there are questions about whether or not he's even going to be a good quarterback in the NFL, but he is as gritty as it comes he is has the work ethic like no other he is going to put the time in and he is going to make this team his top priority and that's what they say a steelers player does well on the other end of the spectrum you got George Pickens who is freaking out every time he's not getting the ball and freaking out every time the Pittsburgh Steelers are losing but he is uber talented and the guy is a stud so what side of the spectrum are you looking for i don't think that the steelers way is a real thing i don't think that the steelers tradition is a real thing. I think, yeah, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, a gritty football team who wins, who does what it takes to win. That all makes a lot of sense. Well, your organization from the top does not follow those same standards because they let guys like Matt Canada stick around for three years and Mike Tomlin make coaching decisions and not make a change at quarterback and, you know, all these different things. There are a billion reasons that the Pittsburgh Steelers are not good enough right now and none of them is because Kenny Pickett didn't work out. It starts because you drafted Kenny Pickett instead of addressing the problem earlier, or you let your offensive coordinator stick around for two years after everybody in the world told you that he wasn't working out. That's the problem. So you could talk about the Steelers way is dead. You could whatever. If you're going to say that, which you know I think there's an argument there, if you're going to say that, don't say it's George Pickens and Deontay Johnson's fault or it's the locker room's fault. Say it's Omar Khan's fault. It's Mike Tomlin's fault. It's Art Rooney's fault because they stuck around long Colbert. enough. And Kevin Colbert has a lot to do with this blame, too. They stuck around long enough. They ignored all the problems long enough that they pushed the Steelers' way out because they weren't following the Steelers' way. So I'm glad that none of them are sitting around. And Mike Tomlin said, the thing about george pickens but i don't think it was that big of a deal i'm glad none of them are talking about how the steelers way is dead because that would be the biggest slap in the face to yourself because you are the issue but i agree with both of you i don't think that i sit here and say the steelers way is like a real real thing i think there's a base to it but i think the bigger issue is that you organizationally have failed this team and you're trying to pass blame on on other people or people are trying to point blame at different things when it's all like, you know, you got 18 weeks. You have 18 weeks to try and create content and cover the news and come up with new things to talk about and so on and so forth. We've hit a point where everybody's out of things to blame, so they're blaming the Steelers' way, you know? Don't blame the Steelers. Just blame Mike Tomlin.
1: Blame Omar Khan, Kevin Colbert, everybody else. We're tired of talking about how bad the offense is for another – to Nick's point, like, and to kind of tie this all together, like – We're tired of talking about how bad the offense is, so we're just going to kind of find something abstract to hang on to. Anything that we can, like, throw on the wall to see if it sticks And Steelers' way is, is the theme of the week,
0: apparently. Theme of the week. And that brings us to the second point here, because Ben brings that up and everybody, blah, 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 whatever. Stephen A. Smith of ESPN, obviously, said on first take. He was talking about Ben Roethlisberger. He said, quote, your hands ain't clean uh, in all of this. And I you know, I had to say that with a little emphasis because we all know <laughs> Stephen A. was screaming into the microphone when he had that, when he said that. Aren't you somewhat responsible for transitioning as it pertains to culture, particularly when Mike Tomlin was there and you're there? You stayed too long. Last three years in the league, Ben Roethlisberger should have been gone. He was a statue. I'm just saying, if you're Be- big Ben Roethlisberger, I thought you stayed a couple of years too long and I thought you sort of curtailed and stymied the transition stymied stymied thank you the transition so the era would continue offensively I'm talking about I don't think he did enough I thought he stayed around too long and I didn't think that was a person that should have been around that is a huge question huge topic of conversation because I don't think that has anything to do with the culture but it has everything to do with what we're talking about is Ben some of the blame here for why the Pittsburgh Steelers are where they are, because let's like let's be honest. The year before Ben retires, Jalen Hurts is drafted three picks after they select Chase Claypool. Ben says he's coming back. Cool. The year Ben retires, I mean the the you could you could have drafted me, okay, in that quarterback class. You could have said Noah Strackbine. and people would have been like, I don't know who that is, but chances are he's just as good as Desmond Ritter. It is what it is. That's how bad. The quarterback class was. You look two years of it, before that, I believe that was the Joe Burrow year. I want to say, and the you know you have all of those great quarterbacks. You have all of those talented classes. The Steelers waited until the worst possible one. Nick, you putting this blame on Ben Roethlisberger a little bit, or are you saying, and and I mean, I'm going to ask this question, but you also have to take into account that. The last time a quarterback came in here and was supposed to be the understudy of Ben Roethlisberger, Ben Roethlisberger said, screw you, man. I'm not helping you. In fact, I'm going to ruin your career. And he did a great job at doing it. But Ben was not a guy that was going to stick around and coach a co- coach a quarterback, and he was going to ruin that guy, no matter who it was. Do you think, put some blame on Ben?
2: I think the fact that, like, Ben Roethlisberger just kind of, like, played a little bit of, like, oh, will he, you know, come back or not? Yes. And, like, it, it was after the elbow injury was when everyone should have been, like, sounding alarms. Like, okay, they need to address this, like, now. And they waited till he officially retired to, like, do that. And I think the reason why that was was because in 2018, they, they go and have, they follow, Kevin Colbert follows up one of his best drafts. Yep. In twenty seventeen, where he got TJ Watt, Juju Smith Schuster, James Conner, Cam Sutton, all good players. And then they they decide, oh yeah, we're gonna take Mason Rudolph in the third round because uh p- recording according to like you know sources at the time, they said, Oh, they had a first round grade on him. And I am like, I am losing my damn mind when I when I was reading that. And I was like, so we passed on Lamar Jackson in the first round. Because you had Mason Rudolph with a high grade. Like, we didn't think to draft a linebacker in that draft after Ryan Shazier got hurt because, you know, we we wanted to draft James Washington. Like, I'm sorry, but, like, the criticisms of, like, of Roethlisberger, I understand them, but it's not where this team failed. It's the up and down drafts of the Kevin Colbert, Mike Tomlin regime where they w- like the 2017 draft. It pulled them out of the gutter of what the, of what they could do. And it pulled them to the top of the AFC. And then the 2018 draft was the failure to make the transition smooth. And then that's why the Roethlisberger, the end of the Roethlisberger regime was just so, it was so up and down and mm-hmm. like, Obviously, Matt Canada had to play in that one as well. It's that type of stuff that is the reason why this team is where it is. It's not, oh, like you know, Roethlisberger had a hand in the culture and all this. And I'm just like, I, I don't, I don't see that as the as the reason. I just draft good football players, and your team will be fine. They yes. didn't draft good football players. They waited till 2022. The worst quarterback draft since 2013. <laughs> I tried talking myself into one of those guys, obviously, but it's like, you know, I knew it wasn't the it wasn't a strong quarterback class. I knew it was not 2021. I didn't I knew it wasn't 2020. It wasn't one of those classes that you could hang your hat on. And they were just so confident drafting a guy and saying this is our franchise and i'm just like lose me with it lose me with it i'm sorry he like
0: <laughs> <laughs> lose me with it he goes i agree Stephen. as somebody who i mean you grew up watching the transition of one team of one great quarterback into a crappy quarterback situation i mean and you got it bad man you had cam hay or cam newton for a season you then started covering a team who was in the midst of another one of another transition do you do you ever put that on the quarterback or or do you agree with Nick here? Does it sometimes you're just like what the hell man why didn't why Why did it take until he left for that to happen and to Nick's point, and i'll get to this in a second, but to Nick's point, what they did in it like they used Ben as an excuse not to draft a quarterback i don't think they had an excuse not to draft anybody else who was talented in the three years be outside of a quarterback like they brought the worst draft classes of all time and I think that Devin Bush wasn't the best example because I think the ACL kind of threw him off there but I mean I just you know it was just a bad situation for the Pittsburgh Steelers you watch that transition for both teams now is it I mean do you agree with Nick here is it is it just is it
1: is it on the franchise to say who cares what the quarterback has to say we have to do this yeah absolutely I mean so like I I read Stephen A's comments and I I, I was all I was all about, like, I, I, it seemed a little unfair to Ben. You know, first of all, like, you can't yeah. expect a player like that to just kind of voluntary, voluntarily give up his spot as starting quarterback. I think it was either you or Nick who made a good point about Ben, you know, kind of being half in, half out uh, as he kind of went through that transition deciding, you know, if he was going to come back or not. But it's on the franchise to make the best decisions for their football team. Like, yep. I don't know, you're, you should not be at the whim of, of your players. Like, that's not... That's not smart team building. That's not smart roster management. You have to make the decisions for yourself. Uh and and then like I thought I agree with Nick too. Like you left the cupboard entirely bare because you were trying so desperately to win while Ben was still in town and while he was still playing football that I think you kind of sacrificed the future a little bit. Like you didn't look enough at, okay, well, we have these holes and we're really young this way. Like we need to think long term because there is a future after Ben. I think they were kind of just trying to squeeze as much as they could out of the end of the Ben Roethlisberger era that it cost them down the road. And now now you're paying for it. Now the timing's all off. And now you just have different portions of this team that are at different stages in their development as players. And on top of that, you have some holes in your roster in terms of talent that you just can't overcome no matter... Like what the culture was like, no matter how you know involved Ben was, in you know getting Mason Rudolph ready for the for a starting job or anything like that. Like it's there are there are very foundational things about this team that are wrong, that go beyond Ben Roethlisberger. Even if he has to share some of the blame, it's definitely not as much as I think some people you know like Stephen A. Smith want to put on him.
2: Yeah, I'll I want to I mean- add real quick. Um, with you know we saw a successful uh succession program plan put in place by the Packers recently True. with their drafting of Jordan Love. And like at the time it was like, yeah, you, know, you piss off Aaron Rodgers. It wasn't a good thing. But they were thinking like 20 steps ahead because they understood that trying to get the most out of Aaron Rodgers, like it was a very like it was a plan with a limited time frame. They wanted something that would expand further. And I think we see you know, you want to talk about tradition. I mean, they, they went from a successful Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers to, J- to potentially Jordan Love. Like, they had, that pl- they had that plan in mind. Pittsburgh did not. They, they were trying to get as most out of Roethlisberger to the point it was basically zombification. <laughs> it's true. And you,
0: you mentioned team, I mean, you said Lamar Jackson earlier. I mean, think about them. I think Joe Flacco was at the end of his career, but like wasn't at the end of his career. And they just taught, took Lamar Jackson because they said, this is a good quarterback. Why would we not? And then here it is. And you got to think, I mean, and Nick, I'll, I'll toss this one to you because you brought, him up, you brought up the 2018 draft. You brought up Lamar Jackson. You, I mean, it still haunts me to this day. I still, I still could picture it so vividly. Mike Tomlin sitting around saying, oh, well, as you guys know, we were in the market for a safety in that draft and he says that he said that a dozen times since that draft class uh, steven you weren't here for this you want to know who that safety was that first round safety was his name is terrell edmonds okay and he plays for the tennessee titans right now meanwhile lamar jackson who was drafted after him after him was is as a as an mvp winning the afc north right now is uh, you want to talk about a bad offense the Baltimore Ravens offense is terrible, but they have this guy named Lamar Jackson who's pretty damn good and able to make it a very good offense. I mean, Nick, you you look at this, okay just just think just think about this as a whole, okay as a as an entire and and on top of that, you know, Morgan Burnett was in town. There's, the Steelers the Steelers didn't plan to start Terrell Edmonds. That wasn't their idea. Their idea was to have Terrell Edmonds grow into something with Sean Davis who's another terrible example all in its own. <laughs> you look at this Nick, you look at this and you just say just to bring it full circle here. I mean, is it just is it just time to admit that for the last 5 plus years the Pittsburgh Steelers have just done nothing to build a good organization and at this point it has come back and it's and it's and it's boiling over. You know what I mean? They've taken steps They've made moves, I think, in the last two years I think Omar Khan is a lot has a lot to do with that but they have taken steps in the last year, last two years to start to rebuild what they were. But for everybody trying to blame Ben, for everybody trying to blame you know this or that, I think it's time, and maybe I'm wrong here, to just acknowledge that up until really last offseason, the Pittsburgh Steelers failed miserably to try and build an organization outside of a few pieces here and there. Minka was a great move, obviously. TJ Watt was – that draft doesn't even count. But every year after that draft, and, and even the years before that draft, were pretty rough. But you got a couple of outliers. But in the grand scheme of things, this is just a correlation of – this is just a, a buildup of really, really bad moves, really, really bad drafts, all coming back to bite a team in the butt. And you know maybe it's finally time, and last year was probably time – where it just it hits a breaking point, and that happens to everybody.
2: I mean, for me, 2018 was that breaking point. I, I saw that draft, and I saw the writing on the wall. I said at the time, yeah. I thought this was the most crucial draft that they had to nail, and they didn't nail it, and it was, it was one that came back to haunt them. Lamar Jackson is one of those guys that, like, obviously, He was like my QB four, so it's not like I had him like super high, but I still had him like fourteenth on my board. I still understood he was a guy I would want to take a chance on, and the fact that they just they just glossed over it really irks me to this day. Oh, let's not even talk about the fact of Fred Warner could have been a great succession plan to the Ryan Shazier tragedy. Shaq Leonard up was up there
0: as well. Shaq Leonard was right there as well. Uh, you got it. Just for those who don't remember, and Steven doesn't know this, so he might laugh when we say this out loud. This is the Steelers top three picks in that draft. Okay. Uh, Terrell Edmonds, James Washington, Mason Rudolph. That is how the Steelers went one, two, three. And then I'm pretty sure they followed that one up with Chuke of for if I'm not wrong. I'm pretty sure uh, that Chuke or was that, that the year I've- before?
2: That was, I think, that was uh, the year after that was uh, when that happened.
0: The year after, okay. So the top three picks there were Terrell Edmonds, James Washington, who might not be uh, even be on a team right now, and Mason Rudolph. And I don't know, you know, Chooks was that year, and oh, Chooks okay. was that year.
1: This you... is all time like Island of Misfit Toys right here. This is. Yeah, it,
0: I mean, Fred Warner's drafted in the third round, like five picks after James Washington goes. You, Incredible. you look at, I mean, Mark Andrews is is drafted in the third round that year. Orlando Brown is drafted in the third round that year. Like you, I mean, Ron, you you could you could go as as bad as like, I mean, Jordan Atkins is is in there, and and you could say what you want about him, but like, there's just so many. There are so many names in this draft that the Steelers just,
2: yeah, you know. There's there's always like a lot of like oh it's hypothetical or it's like uh it's hindsight's 2020 and I'm like yeah I understand that I understand that aspect but when I literally saw like the opportunity there it still frustrates me if it's something I didn't see it doesn't frustrate me as much but it's still something you know it's like you gotta hold the staff accountable like yes. you know I I just don't. It frustrates me that that draft happened because that was the turning point. And that's why Baltimore is where they are. And that's why Pittsburgh is a team that thinks they're good, but they're not. Yep, exactly. You look at every
0: single year for the last two, three, four, five years. You just you look at the draft and go, dang, Baltimore had a good draft since he had a good draft. Steelers had a terrible draft. That's (laughs) just like that's just the general consensus. And sometimes I'm glad that this conversation went the way it, it did, because You know, we came in here talking about the culture and is the culture dead with a probably a firm grasp on the culture. Maybe it didn't even exist. Maybe maybe that's not the way that the conversation should go. And we uh, I was glad that we got to bring it to a point where it's sometimes, man, you just make enough bad decisions that it comes back and it can't work out. And you could blame the locker room all you want. You could blame this all you want. The real reason that the Pittsburgh Steelers are bad is because they've done minimal good things in the last five plus years to try and rectify their wrongs. That's, that's just where they are. And with that said, we head into week 15. So we'll turn our attention to the game. If everybody got all their uh, thoughts out on the Steelers is that, culture. Is that allowed?
1: Are we, are we allowed to talk football? Is that, I, don't, I don't think <laughs>
0: that's I think allowed that's the next, I think that's the next part of the process here. I think the Steelers turn their attention to week 15. And, you know, hopefully George Pickens catches a couple more passes and they don't utilize their bad, uh, their bad plays here. You know, just and I'd like to point out before we move on that we're talking about that draft class. Um, of all the guys that they did draft that year, Terrell Edmonds was probably the best, although you know he was really bad. The only two that they kept around were Mason Rudolph and Chuke Sakora for and that is I mean, that's that just adds to the alarming what the hell were you doing that they just put together. And meanwhile, the twenty seventeen draft the, the, that's just that's an even better point they paid chooks a for and mason they didn't pay mason but they paid chooks Sakora for he's the only one outside of tj watt in those two drafts 17 and 18 that the steelers paid decided to keep long term those two drafts the 2017 james connor is killing it over in arizona cam sutton i mean we all could acknowledge very quickly that was a bad move that you shouldn't have got rid of cam sutton you should never have let that guy walk um mike hilton showed up that year i'm pretty positive as an undrafted free agent and you let him walk you just said yeah whatever what's he doing oh he's just killing it in cincinnati no big deal you let all these all these great pieces come and the one that you decided to keep and sign to a long-term deal was chooks a core for so shout out pittsburgh steelers just a good way to wrap that one up with that we'll move we'll, we'll talk we'll talk some football we'll talk some actual football happening tomorrow the pittsburgh steelers play on saturday saturday this week 425 kickoff steelers indianapolis colts huge game when it comes to implications to the playoffs and after that conversation if you're still thinking playoffs well good for you i'm glad that you're very optimistic (laughs) positive human being steven we'll start with you here the steelers they might be out isaac siamalu he's questionable with the shoulder injury how massive of a loss is this for this team can they overcome it with nate herbig and you know, you look at their injuries as a whole this week: Najee Harris, Landon Roberts, Deontay Johnson, T.J. and Alex Highsmith. To walk away with just Isaac Siemalu is that a win to some degree?
1: Yeah, to a certain degree. Um, and and I think you know, of all those losses, uh, I think Malu is probably the one that's most replaceable. You know, it's yeah. not it's it's not ideal. Certainly, like Siemalu, I think especially in the run game is a huge upgrade, a pretty big upgrade over Nate Herbig, but. Nate Herbig can play like he's a competent, you know, he can be, he's a starting caliber guard, I think in the NFL. So I, I really don't, you know, walk into this game any less confident than I, than I was. If, if C Malu was playing, you know, you'd like to have him, but, you know, I'm pretty confident that they can replace him capably. And, you know, it's gotta be the whole offense working together and, and doing things well, you know, it's not just on C Malu. and, you know, it's, it's kind of a luxury to have a backup like Nate Herbig, kind of a, a super swing guy who can play a couple of different positions and, uh slide in a minute guard doesn't really give me doesn't really shake my confidence at all in in their ability to to you know I, I'm not any less confident I'll put it that way. I was gonna yeah. say ability yep. to do what? What yep. what,
0: are they, what are their abilities to do in? Um Nick, see might be out. You worried at all or you agree with Steven Uh
2: I'm not so worried because I think the Colts are one of the worst rushing defenses in the league. They currently rank 27th in rushing EPA and nice. that is a that is pretty damn abysmal. They got absolutely torched by Derrick Henry and Tajay Spears two weeks ago. Then they get to- torched by Joe Mixon and Chase Brown. I'm sorry, this is just prime, like Jalen Warren, Najee Harris type territory where they could just tote the rock. Like, I'm sorry, like, I that's where that's the Steelers tradition man is running the (laughs) damn football and call me old school but when a team is that bad against the run sign me the hell up for some smash mouth football and I think Nate Herbig is one of those guys who's at least a people mover in the ground game and that's that's encouraging now obviously I have my thoughts on the offensive line of, of this year and Maybe they could have tried different combinations, but you know, let's keep, uh, let's keep pounding our head into a brick wall. It will, it will it'll be fine. But uh, yeah, no, just run the foot, run the football. That's, that's, that's the key to success. I'm s- that, that it's just that simple. Run the football. Isaac C. Mahler
0: doesn't worry. They, luckily that's Nate Herbig's specialty and he's a big dude, but he did joke with Steven last week that uh, every time he enters game, they lose. So, Take that as you will. If you're the Pittsburgh Steelers fans with that said, it is that time of the week. It is that time of the, uh, of the podcast, I guess our keys to victory. Nick, you kind of mentioned yours. I'll let you continue there. Your key to victory Colts versus Steelers.
2: I'm just going to say it on the football. Just, just give it to (laughs) Najee Harris, Jalen Warren. I don't care what you do in the passing game. As a matter of fact, make sure Mitch Trubisky can't throw a single turnover. Make sure he doesn't uh, lose know, a single fumble. possible. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how you prevent that. I may be asking for a bit too much here, but it's yeah. like, if you want to win this game, I mean, the, the other teams have laid the blueprint for you. I mean, the Colts yeah. are very vulnerable. They don't have the linebackers to be able to hold up. Like they, this is a, t- like, this is a team that can get absolutely gashed on the ground and not just that, they struggle taking on receiving backs as well. Get Jalen Warren out in space, maybe have some po- pony uh form not, not formation, pony personnel between the two backs and just let them go to work. I just yep. let your let your best players cook. That's that's how I feel. That's the that's the key to success. The
0: key to success. They did uh they did run pony personnel back to back plays last week and they lost. So take that as you <laughs> want. Steven, you're uh, key to victory here for the Pittsburgh Steelers.
1: Yeah, uh, it's a little, well, it's very specific, but I think they need to start fast. And I really think they need to score a touchdown on their opening possession. I don't think this team is going to win playing from behind. I mean, I think that's pretty clear uh, at this point, but it's even more true with Mitch Trubisky in at quarterback instead of Kenny Pickett. Um, mm-hmm. And especially if our plan is to run the ball, I, I don't like that scenario if you can't keep the keep the Colts off the scoreboard early this is also kind of on the defense to kind of keep them in the game early but uh, I think scoring a touchdown in the opening possession would not only give this team a shot of confidence that it really needs really badly uh, but also you know keep them from having to play from behind and keep them from having to put this game in Mitch Trubisky's hands so I think my key to victory it's on the first possession let's let's score let's score a lot of points and let's score them quickly on that first first drive
0: yeah I uh I like that. Mine's going to be on the other side of the football here, and it's going to target one, really two position groups. And that is, look at I, I. You don't have to technically call him an inside linebacker. You don't have to do whatever you want to do. You run three inside, run three outside linebackers almost at all times, and just limit your limit your struggles at inside linebacker. If Alandon Roberts can go the entire game, great. But chances are he can. He's dealing with a groin injury. He's 30 years old. Like You need this guy to be somewhat healthy for the rest of the season so you can't just destroy him in week 15. That being said, you can't rely on Michael Walker. He was, I mean, it really takes something. It really, really takes some effort to be the worst player on the field for the worst two performances that your team put out there against two and ten football teams. The Steelers lost to two and ten football teams in back-to-back weeks. The worst player in that two-week span was Michael Walker, and that says a lot about I mean, we watched Mitch Trubisky play some football and Michael Walker was still worse. I think you they're not going to put Nick Herbig at inside linebacker. They're just not going to do it. But if you could find different ways to manipulate your personnel and to have guys out there that are not technically inside linebackers, but that are filling that need, I think you somehow find a way to do that. If it means running three outside linebackers as much as possible and dropping TJ Watt or Alex Highsmith or Nick Herbig into coverage cool, fine. I don't care how you do it. Just don't put Michael Walker on the field for a huge chunk of this game. Don't put Blake Martinez on the field for a huge chunk of this game. Don't put Mark Robinson in at all. Just, you know, do what you can at inside linebacker, but man, dude, that position is just, it has sunk so fast, and it is seemingly getting worse, and you just you have to try to avoid it at all costs. You have to try to avoid it. With that said, go ahead, Nick.
2: I was going to add real quick, the whole thing with Michael Walker is they are asking him to do stuff that is just ridiculous. Like they had him covering one-on-one versus Trey McBride on like an island during that Cardinals game. And I was just like, you can't, you can't have your linebackers in this situation. Like wh- what did we learn from years ago when Keith Butler was putting like Bostick and Mark Barrett in these situations? Like you have to keep your players from being in that type of situation, especially when you're down to like your linebacker four, like they can't put, they can't just, they can't do that. I'm sorry. It's just, it, it drives me insane. Their inside linebacker, what they ask them to do over forever
0: has never changed and it's always been terrible. And I think that's why you limit it as much as possible. Well, so with that said, our predictions, we have been wrong last two weeks. There's a part of my brain going, pick the Colts. We'll see what happens when we get to me. Steven, let's start with you. Your prediction, week fifteen: Pittsburgh Steelers, Indianapolis Colts.
1: Yeah, um, you mentioned that kind of inclination to pick the Colts, and I'm I'm falling with it. Um, look, I just the vibes are real bad. I, like I don't know what you hang on to, and I don't know what you you look at this team and think, okay, they can walk into a road venue and they can be really confident that this part of their game is going to show up. Um, I I don't I don't know what that is like. There have been the season has been so up and down at points. They've been bad against the run at certain points. They've been really bad against the pass for most of the season. The offense is well documented how poor that's been. And Mitch Trubisky starting at quarterback doesn't make that any better. I think they they're able to score a little bit. You know, I think they put up a couple points, but I think the Colts just kind of bleed them out and just grind this game down. They add a score late that makes it look like a little bit more uh, of a decisive win, but I'm going to go Colts twenty-two to fourteen. Twenty-two
0: final. to fourteen for one. That is a lot of that is a lot of points for the Pittsburgh Steelers score, but they did score eighteen last week. And Mike Tomlin pointed out that man, dude, they uh, they score three more. They're in that ball
1: game, man. They it's true, they, it's true. They are in that three, ball that's, game. Wow, um, the difference between twenty-one and eighteen is three it, points. It I is can't three argue points,
0: with points, you know. And shout out Mike Tomlin. Nick, your uh, your prediction for this? You you following the indie train here?
2: I really just I want to be right here and just be like, yeah, like, because I'm gonna be real. I I want this team to lose right now. I'm I'm getting I'm getting to the point. I am getting to the point where I just want them to feel pressed because I don't think this is a team that is going to. They'll be like. Oh yay, we made playoffs. Like that's a successful season, right? No, it wasn't. Because everyone knew you were gonna lose in the first <laughs> round. Like I don't wanna I don't wanna go through that. So I'm just gonna say the Colts win twenty to seventeen. It's close because it's Pittsburgh, unless you're a two win team. <laughs> yeah, it's true.
0: Unless you're a two win team. It's true. It's very true. You got a score here? What did you give a score?
2: Uh yeah, twenty
0: to seventeen. Twenty to seventeen. Sorry, I caught on to the two uh the two win team here my brain's still Mm -hmm. it's it's still fighting an internal battle with itself as I uh, try to come up with a score here I think we have to now I think like my brain was like all right don't be the guy don't 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 finish the sweep maybe Nick maybe Nick will pick the Steelers then he could go call it. everything will be fine then it went all right now we got to finish the sweep. now it's got to happen I think for the first time all season first time maybe in all Steelers talk history here we are all picking against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I have no confidence that this comes back. I, I just keep pointing to everybody says, like, everybody's been telling me all week, like, oh, this is, a, this is a game the Steelers win. This is a game the Steelers win. This is a game the Steelers win. I, I just remember looking back, okay, and I remember sitting in the, in the press box all year long as the Pittsburgh Steelers won 11-0, the year Ben, re- ben returns from elbow surgery. 11-0. and Things are looking great. And then they finished the season, I believe it was 12-4. and maybe 12 and five they've uh, the second worst playoff performance I've ever seen in my life the first one was against Kansas City the second one was against Cleveland the year before I think that's uh, that's where I stand that's enough argument for me to say this is not a game the Pittsburgh Steelers win I think this is the beginning of things getting much much worse for this organization and that's just because everything we talked about today points to one thing and that's that they continue to shoot themselves in the foot and they've shot themselves in the foot enough times that things aren't going to get better anytime soon. I'm going, Colts, 24, Steelers 14. I don't feel good about wow. it. I think it. I think it's a rough one, and I think afterwards people are very upset in that locker room. and then, you know we'll see what happens from there. But I'm saying 24, 14. Mark Caboli gets on us every single week because we pick the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to make sure that I give him a shout out in this one and say, "Hey, look at this time, I picked the Colts, and when the Steelers win, I'm blaming you and me. So I'll take the credit. Well, I'll take <laughs> the credit. With that said, hopefully we're all wrong, but we'll see what happens tomorrow. Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash All Steelers Talk. Find us anywhere you get your podcasts. And as always, check out all of our work at allsteelers.com and our pit coverage at insidethepanthers.com. We will be back on Monday, hopefully with a victory Monday to talk about. With that said, enjoy another beautiful day in the burg. Peace.